The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 213 After Party Edition. We've been drinking, and you've been warned. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. You savages, this is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst and writer at MixedMartialAnalyst.com, and tonight, this is an after-party edition, that's right, we've been drinking, and we are going to recap the Tough 25 finale and UFC 213 uh, from, you know, uh, chronological order, if you will, and, you know, to encourage the chronological order and smoothness, why not some alcohol, right, Brian? Oh, too much alcohol, to be honest. That's right, my man Brian, my usual spus- suspect here with me. You hear that? Spusbuck, spusbuck. Yeah. We have Mark uh, Goldberg on the podcast tonight. Ah, dude, we've been we've been drinking and you've been warned. That's for damn it. sure. Yeah, we even we even got our man Nick Nick Free on the background here who'll probably be chiming in his opinions. Nice That's right. That's right, qualified jiu-jitsu practitioner and dental practitioner. He will be a man we may be referencing to later this evening. <laughs> a good friend of ours, of course. So on that note, guys, let's, uh, you know, with, with one stutter and trying to, you know, conquer more stutters, well, let's increase our chances by cracking another beer, shall we? Cheers. Three, let's let's two. increase the slur. Oh, yes. Cheers, indeed. I, I can't even know. You can't even know. Oh, no, it's a sign. <laughs> Oh no, it's a sign to come. One second, guys. I'm slagging. I'm slagging. Yo, yo, man, my corner put too much water on me. My corner put too much water on me. Okay, I'm in the fight, guys. I'm in the fight. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Oh my goodness. That is not a sign of things to come. It's it you know, it's apropos to this weekend though, right, guys? I mean, it wasn't this weekend this week, this international fight week, the biggest fight week, if you will, for the UFC, it really didn't go quite as planned. Right, Brian? I mean, really? Uh, Yeah. Well, this week is cursed. International Fight Week. We'll probably punctuate on that later, I'm sure, with more maybe specific names to, you know, uh, <laughs> to compare, contrast, Alcohol reminisce. Not fuel that yeah, else. it might not be as friendly as we might we might try to be uh, <laughs> bullshitting it right now. We'll get to that soon enough, but regardless, you know what? We're healthy. We're able to sit here with some drinks. We're enjoying our favorite sport. Cheers and uh, cheers to that, guys. It was really, really was a good weekend. I'm going to see one positive. of my favorite bands of all time to watch this UFC card. That's when you know you're a fucking UFC That is real. What band was that by chance? Thrice. Mm. Those guys missed a hell of a Yeah, well, I guess they played with Deftones. I just never really got into Deftones. Oh, my God. No, no, nothing against the band. But. Yeah, no, I, I like Deftones in the 90s, even though I didn't see them then. And my first live show, though, was Thrice, probably 2002. No thanks. Mm. Not a fan. Yeah, I wasn't a fan, too. But I heard, you know, I heard in their defense, though, I heard they put on good live shows. Y'all can argue with us at, at the PYM podcast on Twitter if you disagree with our music tastes, but we're just bullshitting and don't worry, we won't bullshit for long. We probably won't even do the full recap, at least on the Tough 25 finale between the day laps, Michael Johnson, Justin Gaethje probably taking all of our memory and the current alcohol consumed. Yeah, what we'll do our best. That, yeah, bro? we'll do our best. What's so, the co-main? Um, let's pull a uh, Jakar Close versus Mark Diacassi. Actually, not uh, the official. That was no. Co-main. It was actually the yeah. It was Jesse Taylor for the Redemption oh, Story versus Diego right. Lima. Herp, herp, herp. Did you guys see that fight by chance? Uh, we'll yeah, I did. It was good. It was good. Yeah. 
David Lee was tough. He rocked him pretty stiff there. I took his brother Douglas recently, and I support yeah, the brothers. Beast, but man. I had I had I had uh, Jesse Taylor there to win, and I'm not bragging about it anyways. But it's kind of hard not to root for Jesse Taylor because both you guys were fans of that era of Tough, that, correct? That, oh yeah, man. That was my favorite episode, by the way. That was my favorite era of Tough. Yeah. I wasn't around for the Tough One, like. Excuse me. I felt the residual and watched um, Tough Two and Tough Three lives where I came into the sport. So I missed the tough one. So tough eight with like Amir Sadala, CB Dalloway. You know those guys was was amongst my favorite. And and yeah, Jesse Taylor was on that in that series. So you guys saw that, right? Yeah, he looks great, man. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, and yeah, it was it was it was definitely fun. I mean, I mean. Not fun, but I mean, it was nice to see Jesse Taylor get the win. Totally. Regardless of your thoughts, I mean, it's a nice redemption story. What a way to like seal the redemption season. One hundred percent. And we're, I'm going to try to pull up. Uh, well, maybe not. I don't know. We'll pull up what memory has here. I had it pulled up in a second, but all my all my windows just closed down here. But um, but yeah, the uh, obviously the main event. It really almost doesn't matter because the main event was Justin Gaethje versus uh, Michael Johnson there, and that kind of got everybody's attention. And it was one of those fights where like. I didn't even feel bad being wrong about like I had Johnson and Johnson inside the distance, but man, Jesus, how do you really call that? And, and yeah, like I tweeted, like I've always been a fan of Gaethje, but now I'm sold. Are I mean, I, I know you were a fan of Gaethje before Brian, but oh, yeah. you sold now too. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I, this is the thing about his fight style. He's the Diego Sanchez of the next generation. Just more solid. Everything he does is better. But he absorbs so much damage and is so willing to absorb damage and just never stops moving forward. So one day that's going to cash out. He's admitted himself, which I respect the hell out of just for the fact that he can admit that about himself. But like I said, it's, it's just there's always going to be an end to that. And it could be at any point. I've never seen anybody get rocked like he got rocked the second time against Johnson and come back. That was amazing. It was definitely fight of the year until tonight, but I'm not gonna go too far to get get too far ahead of us. All right, now my loss as has this fight pulled up, but yeah, no, I mean it was it was an amazing it was an amazing fight. I mean, you look at the numbers; it was almost dead even down the stretch as far as significant strikes landed. They're barely separated by ten from significant thrown, landed, etc. I mean, if that's not an in the pocket brawl, then I don't know what is. I mean, I picked Johnson obviously because the counters. They were going to be there. Obviously, they were. I mean, they had Gaethje out on his feet. But I think Johnson is going to regret when he looks back at the tape, like Brian Stan said, where he clenched. And I think that was a big problem, Brian. Definitely. Um, you know, he did it twice, too. Not even just once. He had his chance twice. And taking nothing away from Gaethje. I mean, I don't know. If, even though Johnson gave him, quote-unquote, the time to recover, I don't know many guys that can recover that, um, even if you give him triple that time. Because Johnson hits deceptively hard. And with you, when you, uh, you know, Factor in that Gaethje is moving into the shots, um, even more so. And we covered uh, Lima and Taylor. I think it's worth talking about. We had a big upset. I was looking for every reason, guys, to fade Mark Diakesi, but I couldn't. I ended up picking him, and thankfully, though, I didn't make any plays, even though they were just outside the avoid list, because Jakar Close comes through with the upset. Did, 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 did you see this, Brian? Uh, yeah, I definitely watched that fight. I had some money on that fight. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you did. That's yeah, right. Yeah, you were on, on DKC as well. That's right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was impressive. I mean, those low kicks really made a difference, especially really early on. And we'll you get... saw immediately that yeah. it, it had an effect on him. We'll get to it later as we get to two thirteen, of course. But we were seeing it more, and I was just talking to you know Brian and and my man here Nick on the on, on, on the side of the mic here that you know we're seeing these low kicks guys like. 
we're, they're having an effect much more earlier, right? Like, even though it's kind of an obscure, it's maybe more relevant. Yeah, yeah, to the calf. And throw the calf, absolutely. I mean, we yeah. saw um, Talos Leitez, Sam Alvey, Benson Henderson's been using these for a minute. And again, um, not to take anything away from Mark, or not to take anything away, from, I should say, from Dracar Close, but his teammate, uh, Campy's been training at for a couple of years now, MMA Lab. Um, Benson Henderson was one of the first guys who brought that onto the scene. Oh, so yeah, definitely. We definitely don't want to take away from any, anything from him because the sample size proves that it wasn't a fluke. I mean, if anybody's got the resource for who's been bringing this to high-level MMA, Dracar Close is coming from that right camp. Um, yeah. not, not taking anything away, but but yeah, I think this is going to be a big learning lesson nonetheless for Mark D. Casey, though. Yeah, he got fired up. Yes. Yeah, and I think, you know, even though obviously uh, Dracar Close got a little fired up too as well with the uh, English guys or bums comments... I think yeah, the, was- I think the positive of that I think that benefit even though he already lost at that point I, I arguably benefited Mark D Casey more because again I think that was just gonna you know a theme we were talking about on a different uh, subject Brian you know certain people especially fighters guys who operate with chips on their shoulder the last thing you want to do is fuel that chip in the wrong way totally I mean it doesn't matter Dracar Close already got by him but what I am saying is um, if you were looking to fade D D Casey as I admittedly was. Don't automatically jump on that train because I have yeah. a feeling he's going to bounce back really yeah. strong from this. Absolutely. Um, anything worth else talking about? Uh, Rorick, you know, proved his toughness against Cannoneer um, as why it was on my avoid list, but Cannoneer fucking washed him though what in the end, right? Beast, man. Yeah. Oh my I goodness. had a moment where I thought that Cannoneer was like kind of slowing down, and I thought that he could have turned it around and got caught, but. Yeah, and that quickly faded. If I remember to bring him up on the submission, I think I was texting you. I said, "Well, yes. there goes that." Yeah. If I remember to bring this up on the submission and transition, guys, I'll try to so I get at least a credit the person uh, Twitter handle. But um, Cannonier apparently said he's going to middleweight, which he talked about before. And somebody, which I would credit as a bold prediction, and I believe their response into our podcast thing, so I just want to give him a shout-out here. Hopefully I'll give him a shout-out with their title later. But they were saying, bold, tell me this isn't a bold prediction. If Cannonier drops the middleweight... He says within a year we might see a Cannoneer versus Whitaker match. That was a pretty damn bold prediction. I don't necessarily agree with it because there's not enough evidence to agree with it. But I, but I give that person credit. Hopefully I'll give them their name. But yeah, that's pretty bold. That's yeah. a pretty fun striking match as far as durable guys we've seen. Obviously we saw Whitaker against a durable striker tonight, which we'll get to. But nonetheless, Cannoneer has some promise. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um. Oh my. Man. Before we go, we got to talk about. Before we talk about my man, uh, Jordan Johnson, who came through as a, as a key parlay piece of Shade Mask against Mar- Marcelo Fortuna. The bias picked, which I did admit was biased, but you bet your ass Dan Tom played it. As Brad Tavares was an underdog against Elias Theodore. Did you play this one, Brian? No, I didn't, but I was just worried about Theodore's style and winning a decision against him. But I was happy to see that Brad Tavares turned that around and won the decision. Yeah, his leg kick triggers, his just like overall... Um, Counter wrestling, which I feel is really underrated, and I feel like God, it feels like every fight keeps creeping to Romero Whitaker. But we saw in the <laughs> we saw in the Tavares fight against Romero that he had underrated counter wrestling. That it's very hard to get him out of the fight, and I didn't think um, Elias was gonna be be able to do more than guys like Gil Romero and other top ten guys would would do. Yeah. No offense to Elias, nothing to do with him being a model. He's a good looking man. I mean, geez, I thought I was straight, but he gives me second second thoughts. So I'm not hating on the guy by any means here. But my man Tavares, the better fighter, I think so. Beast man, he looks solid. Hundred percent. I thought the other was good, like uh, body shots, real good kick to the body. Is brutal. Yeah, he's got some serious power. Yeah, he does. He does. You don't want to mess with that. One hundred percent. Good point there, Nate. That was when I realized that Whitaker was a contender. Yeah. When he when he KO'd Tavares, I was like, 
Jesus. No one's done that to this dude. Hey, and credit to people that were on Tavares, too, because I know a lot of sharps on there that were on Tavares and at Dog Money. Um, luckily, my uh, I don't have my prop pieces. I think I only went like one and two in props, which wasn't that great. But, but we ended the weekend and this card on Plus Money because... My two parlay pieces hit, and although it didn't quite reflect plus money in the bank, you know how it goes when we have these December fight weeks or summer fight weeks in Vegas where there's two or three more cards. Brutal. Old Dan Tom expl- extends his plays there. So things will pay off later, which we have good numbers to report on later, but not just yet. 2-0 and in the prop pieces there. Um, gosh, I probably should know off the top of my head. Um, how we did in picks for that night. All I can tell you is that it was positive, so that was good. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to uh, add, Brian? Uh, I'm this good card on that you this saw. Card. I okay. think it's time to move on. I think it's time to move on too. Um, usually we'll take our break, but you know what? How about we'll do the undercard of two thirteen, then we'll take our break and we'll give the whole last half to the main card of two thirteen. That sounds apropos, right? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it that way. All right. So uh, while I uh, maybe put on uh, this here. Brian, was there any was there any fight, or I should say, look, Brian, actually tell us what were your thoughts while I'm pulling up the UFC two thirteen card. Obviously, we know by now, um, it took a hit. Shevchenko versus Nunes got called the day of. Uh, all we know so far is that Nunes is, <clears throat> you know, was, was sick, had ill, had to go to the hospital. There's no report on IVs or that being the deciding factor. In fact, what we have heard was the doctor's clear, but it was Nunes who ultimately decided not to. And extra narrative for what that's worth aside, Brian Stan, who I do respect and trust would tell the truth in the beginning of the broadcast, in Nunes' defense for what it's worth, said, for his knowledge, for what that's worth, Nunes does not seem like the type to run scared. And by the way, I don't, I don't buy the scared narrative, which will... We'll get to. I'm sure we'll address in a second. That's not what I'm leading or have thought for what it's worth. But Brian Sam was assuring us that it wasn't that, um, and that it was in fact more of Nunez's girlfriend slash team being American Top Team, that made dissuading her, saying, "Hey, you know what? Apparently Nunez wanted to fight. Regardless, reading between the lines, uh, hedging the bets, and just trying to take you know the truth that is or whatever you can muster." The conservative side, all those things above. What's your opinion after it all? After hearing what we've heard, we haven't had the real details yet. We've only got limited information, audience. But what's your opinion, Brian? Wolf tickets. Wolf tickets. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's one of those things. It's, I don't know how she felt. I would say that it probably had something to do with the weight cut as to why she didn't feel good. Uh, And uh, we've been over this lately over the Johnny Hendricks fiasco and all these other things, but, I mean, it's all a discipline thing. You're going against Shevchenko. She's a monster. She's so ready to get revenge for that loss. So it's just one of those things where I saw early that Nunes was kind of mentally a little bit emotional towards Shevchenko and the the face-offs and things like that. I'm sure most people saw that, but it's just one of those things where she wasn't, she was kind of, Having to pull a Michael Johnson where she had to hype herself up for this fight to be like, I, I'm demanding respect and after this fight, I'll earn it. But the fact that she pulled something like this kind of ruins the whole idea of that respect. All right. Well, before I give my opinion, Nick, I know you're kind of offside, Mike, here, but you, you should still be picked up more than cleared. Um, I, I, this is a obviously important narrative tonight, so I want to get your... Do you have an opinion on this before we go forward? Not really. 
Just the Nunez, the main, the main event, oh, the Nunez the Shevchenko. Event. They got pulled as far I as that goes. Limited info, but. Cut yeah. I'm pretty sure is that like my, whenever someone backs out like that, I always that's the first my first thought was they were having trouble cutting it. Yeah, it's you know, true. and Has again, to be. and again, I don't want to jump on fan assumption or false narrative, but let's be honest, guys, the facts actually point to you guys being right as far as it being weight cut issues. And now maybe the USADA, the IV, that can be a different argument, guys, than tonight. But regardless. I, I think that Nunez has something to blame. Now, the narrative trains are running everywhere. I don't think that Nunez was scared, for one. Okay, guys, let's get that straight. No way. I don't agree with Dana White's no tactics in shaming the fighters and uh, expressing his emotion, justified or not. I don't agree with that, okay? First of all, I don't agree with those two things. I've seen those things. I'm not disagreeing with those. But at the end of the day, I think not only will the sympathy justifiably go to Shevchenko, but the blame... Whether you're on the Nunes train or not, let's be on. Let's be real here, guys. Dana White was wrong, but the blame ultimately falls on Nunes, regardless. Yeah. And so now, not only does the blame fall on Nunes, if you want my opinion, which of course is only speculation at this point, given the limited information, my opinion is that given Nunes's proven inside out of the octagon sample size, which actually runs pretty large compared to most of the female division, um, judging by her discipline. Education. I'm not trying to be a diss there, but let's be real. Um, the greatest Brazilian fighters from the greatest camps, Henan Brown, Jose Aldo, what was their downfall? Uh, nutrition and preparation, which increased in their performance in later rounds of fights and made them more susceptible to knockouts. And, right? Let's be honest. Uh, and those are that. And I just, I just use the your fucking Brazil's best camp and best athletes and best MMA fighters ever to combat my argument there, and I still won, okay? This is not something picking on Brazilians. This is not something picking on Nunes, but there is a common thread there as far as education, nutrition, availabilities, and again, there's another argument that can be had there as far as you want to argue whether these countries have equal opportunities, Western America. Obviously, Western America has more opportunities in education and opportunity in general, but hey, Nunes is doing... Her camp in not Western America, but you know the term being said, modern America, modern civilization. She's an American fucking top team, yeah. one of the best. And again, fighters don't post a lot of their things on social media, which is granted they shouldn't because they don't want to give things away. And again, this isn't an end-all, be-all because this is an exclusive thing. But somebody who not just studies fighters, studies fighters, been following the sport for a fucking decade. But part of my study and analysis goes into social media study because I want to see what these people are doing, who they're training with. And a big part of the social media study, although a lot of it is bullshit and speculation, admittedly, it is a part that needs to be done. And and a big part of it, a quiet factor not spoken about, not so much where they're training, which is a main factor to see for the social media study, but I want to see what they're eating. Now, do fighters eat well and take care of their body and fight and not post pictures of their food ever? Sure. That happens all the time. But there are certain fighters, again, when you're kind of hedging these certain stereotypes, when they're not posting food and they look not super cut through their whole career, then when they face Amanda Nunes and they fade when they faded before that, they faded since that fight, and in that Amanda, and not Amanda Nunes, when they have Amanda Nunes where she fought Kat Singano fight, she looked in the most shape ever. Since that Kat Singano fight where Amanda Nunes last lost, she has carried more body fat and came in heavier and or looking more heavier in each fight since. And then even, again, 
speculative, but not just mine, professionals to random fans hitting me on Twitter, all saying Nunez looking heavier, which I agree coming into this one. Again, just speculation, but to think I'm not throwing shade on Nunez here. I'm not jumping on the Dana White bandwagon or any of that bullshit. But let's be honest here, guys. It's probably a weight cut issue. That's what it is for most fighters. And with the over-elaborate example that I just laid on Nunez, it's probably for her too. So so again, um, I'm going to wait for the facts because it could be something that may make me feel, bit, feel bad for even being this harsh, which I feel is justified against Nunez. I'm going to wait for the facts, but... To use the Dana White bullshit mechanics to be like, oh, to exemplify Manny Nunes from criticism is bullshit as well. Dana White's wrong. I don't agree with Dana White. That doesn't mean Manny Nunes is exempt for bullshit. And another narrative guys going around was, I don't know if you heard, but Ioana and Jacek wanted to take the fight. Yeah, but that, like, let's be real. She right. knows she's not going to get licensed. She knows it's not going to get, and there were multiple facts. Not multiple to say outlets, that she right. wasn't willing to fight. No, and that not was beautiful. That she's but willing to fight. again, shout out to Dwayne Finley from Phone Combat, was the only outlet that I saw make a point to write an article specifically about hey, Joanna and Jacek is a badass, yeah. but, but let's be real here. This is a marketing thing where fighters are getting smarter too, and God bless them. And God bless you on Jaytrick for getting smarter to it. I agree, but let's be real here. It was just that, guys. Yeah. It was a marketing ploy because you know She's you can't make a fight. Twice. Hey, take, 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 warm up. Take a fight. I can picture one. Take a fight in the Reebok. Yeah, this is going to gain you so many fans because they know they're not going to get the fight. You know what I'm saying? Let's be real, guys. This was this was confirmed by com- commission members. These were in the book rules that were so, in the books beforehand. Were reaffirmed on public forum. So this whole, again, the choo-choo char- train na- uh, narratives were taking off from every fucking station this morning, guys. Every fucking station. And the sad part is, a lot of those narratives are right, guys. I'm not challenging your narratives. Again, Yoani and Jacek is a badass. Again, it was she a... probably po- would have fought. Yeah, yeah. And, but again, it also was a political move. Yeah. And again... Well, more so probably by the UFC. True, too. Both both sides. And again, Yoani, Dana White, you know, not the best... Uh, you know, throwing your, under, your champions under the bus. Not the best look. Again, I agree with all these things, guys, but the big thing is, even the people smart enough to bring up those points, you need to remember the bigger picture at hand. We go, we all get, it's human nature. I'm, I'm not above it. I'm not hating on anybody here, but let's be honest, guys. Human nature is we get stuck on one narrative, and we kind of ride that, and we are in a weird point, especially today, where you have all these multiple narratives going on. And with our, you know, red team versus blue team, Browns versus fucking Seahawks, and that's probably not even the right sports, but you get what the fuck I'm saying there. It's this weird team narrative we all have inherently that stops us from seeing the truth. So I guess the point Don't is... Don't get me get, started on that, man. Yeah. I'll be the Eddie Bravo of the Protecting Neck oh. podcast. I'm not trying to be Please that do it. But the point, I mean, but the point is, though, the point is, though, read between the lines and the narrative here. At the end of the day, no matter what you think about Yoni and Jay, or Dana White or people that have nothing to fucking do, well, maybe not nothing to do, but you you know what I'm saying? Nothing to do at the end of the day with this decision between Nunez and Shevchenko fighting. At the end of the day, Shevchenko deserves your sympathy. And Nunez, again, I'm going to try to reserve as much as I can until things come out. But she is at the brunt of the responsibility no matter how you cut it. Even if this ends up being a sympathetic story for her, she's still responsible, guys. And granted, you know, again, there's a bias there against Amanda Nunez because uh, I said in my breakdown as far as like... How she treats, but that has nothing to do with it, guys. Honestly, this is I'm talking about the facts here. She's responsible. 
and, and that's that. And um, and it just was it's just really frustrating because as frustrating as International Fight Week was last week, this would be the last of the bitch and we're in a positive. We're going to get the 213 recap. But let's segue to this because we were talking about this, Brian. As frustrating as UFC 213's International Fight Week was and everybody's comparing how it was pullouts, but the fact that it was pullouts from the main event from two of... And I will say this. I shouldn't say this as a wanting to be a growing and a growing media member and as an analyst who proudly puts aside bias. And I do put aside bias as I picked Jones and Nunez both before. Uh, no problem, confidently, in fact. Okay, my record stands against that. But if we want to talk about something, and again, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying y'all have to agree with me. Believe me, you don't have to agree with me. But if you're listening to this, you probably want a real opinion, right? Well, my real opinion, which I'm definitely going to give my man Brian here a chance to, is yes, I'm a little biased coming from martial arts. But if you respect my opinion watching the game, just my opinion as far as liking fighters, I don't really sympathize with A, people, human beings in general, much less fighters, who are athletically gifted, have everything given to them, and fail to fucking learn from their mistakes to the point where it's costing millions of dollars for fans, fighters, their employers, and their fucking team. <coughs> so if I'm a bad guy, fucking, I'm a bad guy for not liking that, okay? Because I don't like guys like John Jones who hit fucking pregnant women who are assholes who have everything given to them. And as much as I'll give them credit, as, again, as I have before, as I've picked these people confidently before, as I've given them their due credit before, I'm still going to be fucking real with you for the end of the day. I'm not going to jumble my opinion and these people have shown to be bullies in and outside of the ring so i'm sorry i'm a little bit of alcohol talking here but i have no sympathy for these people and then when they ruin two years in a row my two least favorite five least favorite fighters uh ruin international fight week within 24 to 40 hours of the event okay you cannot you cannot disagree you can disagree with me on some 75 percent or all of it but those are some pretty hard fucking facts there that i'm standing behind people brian your thoughts Fuck, man. How do you just toss that to me right now? Okay, so, let's recap. So, this is how it is, in my opinion. The John Jones fiasco we called five years ago. Six years ago. Oh, we've been on that for a while, saying he's fake. 2011. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, you can, I mean, if you've ever experienced a fake individual, they kind of all act the same, and I just feel like that dude was a grade A fake individual. Uh Uh-huh. Um... I always respected and admired his ability inside the cage. I just knew there was something about him I didn't like. You know, you kind of meet those people when you're like in social interactions and you're like, there's something about you. I just don't know what it is, but I don't like you. Yeah. And then you find out later why. That was just a reoccurring thing in John Jones' career. Uh, I, it's hard for me to like a guy who is ex- as successful as he is with such a shitty... A shitty outlook on, I guess it's more of just the lack of empathy. The fact that he is this guy. And the way I think of it is when I think about the hit and run scenario where he he got into the accident and he ran away from it, hopped a wall to hide, then decided to hop the wall and run back to his car for a wad of cash. The thing that like I think about in that scenario is John Jones being on that side of the wall going, <clears throat> I need to get that wad of cash out of my car. There are going to be people there now because I created a scene. Who the fuck's going to stop me? I'm John fucking Jones. Then he hops the wall, go, goes and grabs his wad of cash, runs away, and that's it. 
That that is what yeah. I understand. Like that's what I think happened in John Jones. And, and real quick, not to interrupt that thought. No matter if you are a hundred percent detractor to where you're overly being critical in John Jones, or you are a hundred percent defender to where you're defending him to a blind eye, that scenario, that exact scenario that Brian just described, you're probably a POS if you think anything different. Because that scenario that Brian just described, no matter if you're a defender of Jones or a detractor from Jones. There is no way on any logical measurement of fucking human scale that that doesn't multiply his shittiness by times 10. And I don't want to turn into a shitty John Jones thing. Again, he's amazing. He's, he's, he's the GOAT as far as, you know, physical attributes go inside that octagon. Not, um, not Amanda talking Nun- about his And again, Amanda Nunez, uh, I said it here on our first podcast, Brian. Our first podcast here was the After Party Edition of 207. Amanda Nunez won the title. Who is champion Amanda Nunes? Me. Who is champion the fact that we had a gay champion? Me. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. I was championing well, all these been, things. We've and been I'm not, chiming on those ideas for a long time. And I'm 18 to 32 straight male. I'm the opposite demographic that could give two shits about a female Brazilian, right? But I champion all those motherfucking things. Totally. I you picked Amanda Nunes. Defense, yeah. I picked John Jones in his last fight. Again, I am not. We are not taking credit from them. But if you are going to, now knowing that we're not taking credit, judging by the facts, yes, W-F-A-C-T-S, facts that we just laid down, you want to come at us online or not to say anybody will or, or anything that, or, or disagree, that's fine. You can disagree, but again, these are pretty hard facts here and um, it probably doesn't help that I'm, I'm ex- from my career, explaining them so uh, fluently. But goddamn, if I'm wrong, then, you know... The, the honest it, opinion's an honest opinion. Honest opinion's an honest opinion. I expect y'all to respect that. And goddamn, if I'm wrong, this never felt so fucking right. Let's move on to recapping the <laughs> UFC 213 card, goddamn. I'm in a good mood regardless there, man, motherfuckers. Hashtag Cheers. Michael I'm in a good Bay. fucking mood. Michael, when, no, when, no. when Dan Tom's... When you oh. pulled out, I didn't give a shit. Yeah. Because the Romero Whitaker fight is what I came to see. It's that's it. It's the people's main event. But this is the thing about her pulling out for me is it, it fucking ruined my parlay. Not that that in the end was the right. only thing that ruined my parlay, but in those moments you hear these things and you're like, that fucking sucks. Right, right. But, you know, look, this is the thing. I mean, before we get off the subject, Amanda Nunes is the most dominant champion as of late. Hundred percent. I respect the shit out of her ability inside the octagon, but. It would be stupid to not question her discipline and how she is approaching things now. And the reason being that she's dominated two of the best women in MMA ever in Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate beat Shevchenko before and probably came into this fight thinking she was going to fucking coast to victory. Yes, 100%. But that is the problem. I don't disagree with that. Shevchenko is such a beast and Shevchenko came to fucking win it. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, it could have been mentally of her just realizing how prepared Shevchenko was. Because she was not backing down in any of those face-offs or anything, as far as what I can read off of like body language. 100%. And I don't want to take away or feel that bullshit narrative she was scared, but I agree with what you said. Especially with the credit that you gave Nunes there. And again, we... And again, I'm not just saying this now. This is proof to our very first podcast here. We have given Nunez in particular Oh, man. We um, called her... Credit. I, I, I didn't think she was going to beat Tate, but I knew she was going to dominate R- Rousey. There's no doubt. 100%. So at the end of the day, even when the real story, quote-unquote, I'm talking about does come out, guys, let's be honest. There's still two stories to every story. Yeah. And we'll still be forced to read the lines, and 90% of people will still be too donkerish to even read between the fucking lines. So at the end of the day, let me just, let me just end it with this. 
Shevchenko deserves your sympathy. Nunez, at the end of the day, regardless of the explanation, is responsible. Let's just hope they rebook it and this can be resolved soon. And we'll leave it at that. I think that's oh, fair. That's fair. Now let's break All down right. this fucking yes. shit. Yeah, let's break down this shit. Oh my god. Alright, uh, we got Trevin Giles versus uh, James Baknovic, or who I like to call Bad Baknovic there. Bad Baknovic do got. Bad Baknovic oh, got dead in there a bit. Uh, I don't know if you guys Dead saw in? Fight. I was about to text you. That was fucking brutal. Scary, man. brother. Holy right? shit. Because he was there and then he wasn't there. Right. Within two punches. Absolutely. It so was like, boop, 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 boop. We can so, pull that up, actually. Yeah, you pull it up. Uh, so essentially, I had Trevin Giles here as the favorite. It was a plus, you know, two in the neighborhood of 200 favorite for a debutante, which is pretty rare, but deservedly so. I mean, he's a little smaller for, you know, 205, but very athletic. Reminds me of an early Rashad Evans, a young Rashad Evans, wow. very athletic. A lot of potential, and just you wonder his confidence is going to cost him. It didn't cost him. He got him on the ground. Use awesome oh. things like scrambles and you know out you know, outside scrambles to kind of uh, uh, what do you call them? Get, get mat returns on Baknovic, and really smart stuff was you know f- you know um, fainting to almost like in the ground and pound area to get get him to fake one way and then go in the other. Really getting creative, accurate, and in turn as we saw in the replay that Brian just queued up, devastating is. You know, Giles got the uh, got the man on old Bat Baknovic there and uh, put him out. Put him out. That was brutal. He gave uh, good old Bob a nice KO. Bat Baknovic. I don't know why. A nice nap. I just because he comes from that, that 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 part of the United States. I couldn't help it, Brian. Yeah, no, that, hey, I see that hey, name. Like, Bat Baknovic. Bad back oh, you see Bat Baknovic's kid there? Poor guy got KO'd. Oh my God, there. All right. <laughs> Next fight was uh, Terion Wherever's. I think his name was Cody Stammen. He looks like a Cody because he's a pretty broish looking dude. Training with Garen, Darren oh Crookshank. God, especially the way he out of the, out. Right? Oh, he trains uh, with Darren Crookshank. They have the same And it was body. a brilliant. And I got the pick right. And it was right. And he's got a lot of potential. And I'm still high on the kid. Maybe even higher. But God damn, was that a cocky motherfucker? Was he not? Did you see? <laughs> so I saw like the first two rounds. I didn't see the third round. His third round was good. And he kept talking shit in game. And I'm like, it's cool. He's probably one of those dudes. Ways like Diaz, where he he's super hard and over the top, and people are probably getting pissed at him right now. Like a body but like you know, like I'm not I'm not getting upset at it because I, I understand that game. You know, at the end of the fight, those guys that people hate on and say are bad sportsmen are ironically some of the best sportsmen. You see Diaz and those guys ingratiate their fighters after oh, yeah. a fight, right? But who's the guy? Cody didn't do that though. Yeah. Cody didn't give two fucks. He was just like, I'm the fucking best. I'm fucking training with uh, gay porn star Garen Trickshank or whatever. It is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> does he have a background doing that? Oh, no. Does he? Oh shit! What? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> gotta look that up after. God, I went on a limb here on the Protecting Neck podcast. God damn, they would know. A, I'm the asshole. Deep fucking Stress, shit, man. Really? I've heard. I'm, I've heard some things. No pun intended, but damn. Well, this is you know, Dan Tom will fucking research about anything about a fighter, guys. Except certain things, so wow. I can't confirm this. This is one thing Dan Tom doesn't research, but anyway, forget that. Cody Stim, why did he say that? Like, oh man, I can't believe I that Derek Cookshank used to do gay porn. Anyways, we'll just. God, I this. hope the listeners of this podcast already heard and are over that rumor because I don't want to be the guy. I respect Derek Cookshank's game. Well, you told me about the Johnny Hendricks like recently, and that fucking ruined my day. <laughs> I, I could not stop laughing about that. You hear about that, Nick Friel? Oh, this poor guy, Johnny Hendricks, uh, doesn't know how to use Twitter, apparently, and had a... Oh, no. <laughs> had fallen, like, a porn thing on Johnny. it. But it was, like, anal cream pie, and he liked it. And then his fans saw that he liked it, and they were like, hey, dude, you should probably check out your likes before you start <laughs> posting anything else. Oh but it was too late. The internet never forgets. Oh, my God. 
So uh. he just had this, like, I mean, and I saw the like, I was like, oh, wow, this poor son of a bitch. He's got kids. Jesus. Uh, well, uh, Cheeseburgers aren't the only problem for Johnny <laughs> Hendricks nowadays, let's uh. be honest. Well, we've all been there, so I'm just gonna move on to. I'm just gonna move hey, on to. This is the not safe for work. <laughs> yeah, this is not for. Yes, yeah, we warned you, motherfuckers. Let's just skip the chairman and we're standing uh, fight on that note. Standing won my decision. Let's. Uh, that's all you need to know, and you probably got to learn more than you needed to know with our breakdown of the fight. So let's just move on to brighter pastures. We had well, my first up parlay piece, Bilal Muhammad, take out Jordan Mean here. Brian, you see this one? I almost put money on Mean because okay. I remembered how much of a beast Mean was. And then I looked at his record on Sheridan and I was like, ah, I'll pass. Haven't seen him fight in a while. Wasn't too confident. So, yeah, I was right on that at least in my own world. Well, you weren't alone there, Brian, because seriously, like that was one of those fights where it was kind of back and forth. Not necessarily in the lines. I think Muhammad consistently stayed the favorite there. But it was just that mean left hook, his athleticism, is he going to show up? And although I don't want to necessarily fade guys who don't show up, quote-unquote, because, you know, we've been burned at least, you know, I know a lot of me and a lot of other bettors online have been burned by betting, you know, just fading kind of solely on those angles. But Muhammad also brought pressure. And although it took him that first round to kind of get it going, which is... Not atypical of Muhammad. The first round is usually his weakness, and Means' first round is usually his strongest. So I felt much better once it hit the second round. But more so, the key was Muhammad's pressure. Now, pressure fighters have always traditionally troubled, troubled Mean, even in his early 20s prime, compared to his you know late prime, oddly late prime, if you will, considering he was only a late, mid-20s guy when he retired. So either way, it cashes. Good for Muhammad. Happy for him there, but Mean, I think, has some serious questions to ask himself who didn't train with his father, had a one-person training camp, just his friend. In other words, it was like, hey, Brian, everybody gave up on me, bro, because of my concussions, but I need a training partner. Because of my concussions? Will you be the man? No, but I'm just saying, it's like me going to you be like, hey, man, I need a one-man training camp. We got to make it work. <laughs> like, I mean, don't be too confident. In camp, you'd lose every fight. <laughs> well, if this is a cheeseburger eating contest, we yeah. might win. Well, but. even according to the commentators, the guy in his corner from the corner he was yelling and being that like he was his one person, eh, he might have had more or less experience than you have, Brian, which is something. So, <laughs> so yeah, things were not looking good for me. And, um, congratulations if you are Muhammad as well. Next fight is Tiago Santos versus Jared Mearshart. That guy is so terrifying. Santos. Santos Oddly opened as a dog, yeah. and I didn't. And I was bummed out because I was expecting Mearshart to be opened as a dog, but I knew Mearshart was live, so I was gonna play him regardless, if not pick him. I did end up picking him, but unfortunately, the public ended up pushing him toward dog money. Who Tiago Santos? Uh, that? no, Mearshart, which was good for me in the sense of a bet, but obviously, no, you know, a bet that doesn't pay is not a good bet, and that bet didn't pay because obviously Tiago Santos. Props to you who played the TKO line, got the TKO, and um, took care of business there. Um, did you watch the fight? Yeah, I did. Every time I see Tiago Santos, he's got a new tattoo. And, like, his body style and the fact that he doesn't speak good English, he reminds me of, like, that creative character you make in any video game, and you just, like, unlock new tattoos, and you just start strapping them on. They have, like, a big cross or a giant hammer. That's Tiago Santos. Fucking giant dick. 
Yeah, well, that's Brock Lesnar. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> He's got the giant cock sword on his chest. Bro. Oh, Jesus. Tiago Santos, I don't know. There's something about it. He just looks like a giant creative character. You yeah, 100%. Any, like fighting UFC game. 100%. Not to take away from his fighting style because the dude is a monster and he murdered Bose. And the, yeah. when I saw that, I was like, that dude's dead. Like, 100%. This is the first death in the UFC and I saw it happen live. And by the way, those first two opening fights were the first two on my avoid list because they were added last minute. There were only two more fights, which we'll get to later. One of those last two, though, was this fight. And for good reason because, again, it was one of my uh, three wrong picks for the night. And because I had Mir Shart here over Santos, I feel he was going to find the submission, take advantage. He had his moments, that's for sure. Um, I guess I wasn't totally crazy in that sense, but Mir Shart made the mistake and he overcommitted. Was it to... with the beard, right? Yeah, he, and he he had some JDS style defense. Mm, yeah, he just liked to eat punches. And he overcommitted to thinking he was safe in the grappling and clinch <clears throat> and takedown exchanges, which. Again, like, I'm not hating him on. I actually am one who's just the reason why I love the single leg, yeah, not because it's effective, not because it's emphasizes from half guard, which is kind of a, a negative kind of zero zero position, no matter the on-paper advantages. Um, if you're just in that battle, it's better than being from other battles, like a full guard, even from an MMA standpoint. Even if you're a guard player going against a guy with not good sub defense, MMA's mathematics will prove you'll probably lose that battle on the cards and in the overall stretch of the fight. Totally. But Mearshart has a really good single leg get up, which I thought, you know, which again, now that I thought was good, I think it's good in general because if you do it right and you really hide your head where it sounds really gay, but you almost want to put your face into their crotch on your single leg get ups from half guard or in single legs in general because the unified rules MMA only allow legal shots to the back of the head. So if your face is in said crotch, you will only allow the back of the head illegal targets for your opponent. And from a grappling standpoint, the single leg leverage point is a really strong one with the only real counter being a Darce or Guillotine. If you know those are coming, if you are grabbing below the ass for your underhook as opposed to under the arm, you are going to cancel about 95% of those attempts. So, usually a good thing. Not trying to hate on Mearshart there. His head was in the right place, but he was too comfortable for too long. And it was in those little clinch spots where Thiago Santos would swing, swing down with his elbows or punches. Similar to he did in 2015 in December against Elias Theodoro, who rested there a little too much and gave Theodoro, who was undefeated uh, until then, his his first loss. So, Thiago Santos kind of brings that up and gets the win here. So, again, it was on my void list, so it's no skin off my back, although I didn't, I'll be honest, I sprinkled a little bit of Mearshart personally. But more importantly, props to Santos, man. He showed some real improvements in the area he needed to, so big props to him. All right. Uh, next fight here was oh, uh, La Priest, La Pierce, La fucking Pierce. our friend Pierce. Looks just like Chad La Priest. Um, we have a friend named sure. Pierce who uh, looks like Chad La Priest, literally, especially with his uh, face. Except Pierce, uh, well, not Pierce. <laughs> what do you mean by uh? Well, I mean, what the uh, fuck does that even well, mean? Well, like I'm just saying, like the you know, it's the guy who's got the uh face. Well, you look, okay, not disagree. Look, go look at La Priest's sure dog photo. And tell me, go look at the priest's shirt off, Frodo, and tell me what the first thing in your face is and go, uh. <laughs> but the weird thing is, the priest doesn't sound like that, although I'm, I'm making oh, that noise. Oh, that's hilarious. But, uh. Pierce does, yeah. Okay, well, maybe. Uh, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to show the dirt <laughs> on our friend right, here. But, yeah. Busted. Oh, that's priest loves Jesus, is the point. Oh, um, he doesn't sound like how yeah. you expect him to, but he looks like our friend, so it's just a weird little funny inside joke we ride. Nonetheless. He beat the Kamozi brother 
I didn't play him one because of the inflated line, but you know, even if the yeah, line was what a, if, yeah, what? yeah, it was stupid. It was Minus stupid. Eight hundred. I agreed that it was probably a very winnable match, but I really didn't suspect the odds makers to see that. Although, to their credit, and to most analysts' credit, we see more accurate analysis in the striking, yeah. whereas most people don't really know much about the grappling, because grappling, I hate to say it, you don't have to do martial arts to be an analyst. I respect people who don't. There's a lot of people who I respect who don't, so I don't want to have this absolutist mentality, but grappling is one of those things, man. It's tough. Unless you do it, you don't really know, and and, and you guys have all experienced that, even in very minor forms. Um, and yeah, so... The odds makers were sadly, smartly, on LaPriest. I didn't play him. I didn't even play the over, which I believe hit or maybe just came short of hitting. I want to know because if it was two and a half, I believe this ended at like three minutes and 30 second mark of the third round, which means if the over was a two and a half, it wouldn't have hit because you have to get to the oh, two yeah, and a half and mark and a half or thing, over, yeah. which means like 229 and etc. Well, I think if you click on the fight, you can see. Okay, we'll click see. on the fight. But I don't know what the over was still. Yeah, I mean, three thirty. Yeah, again. So if the over was two and a half, you probably didn't cash there. Um, but and which was kind of crap because the line was so inflated. I could see a lot of people taking this over. The problem was Kamozi is so damn hittable, and you saw a hittable guy against the Priest last fight, hence the round one KO that the Priest could finish things early. So I kind of just stayed away from this one. That and your boy here has made some really bad bets in this time. None of which more embarrassing than. Betting Kamozi brother. So whether I'm betting oh, four, yeah, that's the yeah. one, right? Ugh. Well, I'll never forget the time Dan Tom bet Kamozi. Kamozi well, regardless, best tweet I've ever read in my yeah, life. Yeah, very. What but hey, tool. you know what? That dude was a tool, but still deserve it. Bad call for me, nonetheless. Yeah, I'm whatever. taking credit here. But the point is, the point is, I have PTSD, whether it's betting for or against the Kamozi. Since then, I have PTSD, so I can admit my losses and bad calls. (laughs) I stayed away from this one, and even though I was right on the pick, it still proved right to stay away. Um, Do you have any fights on that before we move on to the last one of the prelim here? Nah, we're good. All right, let's get to this last fight of the prelim. Travis Brown versus... Alexi Olnick, I think all three of you guys at least saw some of this fight, I right? Saw it. Yes, that This is a four-year-old watched that guy Travis Brown. This guy Travis should should have beat. But that's like Sarah. Travis Brown every fight. Travis Brown, I feel like in almost every loss he's had, he's winning the fight until he loses. They were throwing Travis about right. to get him off this losing streak. Yeah, and this, you're right. This yeah, one, you guys are both right. Yeah, you Olenek got, is a fucking monster, though. Yes, yeah. yeah, so you guys are both right. Uh, Olenek is very underrated, but yeah, well, stylistically, this was a match, like Nick said, they really wanted the organization to get Travis Brown a win here. Yeah, totally. And we look at the heavy late landscape, which sadly isn't already that deep as it is. Olenek was one of the better matches, because even though I love guys with ground games that are slick like Olenek, and he's a beast, he has heavyweight knockout power. He knocked out Jared Rolshaw before, you know, one of the first guys to knock him out, right? I mean, yeah. um, so, uh, not that that's a big feather in the cap, but you get yeah, what I'm saying here. The guy's legit. We're not taking anything away from him, but this was a match on paper that Travis Brown should have won. And even if you wanted to be a defender of Brown, which I would say a defender in the sense he has an underrated ground game, these are matches he should have won, but then you look at fights like whether it's top talent like Verdum or a guy like Derek Lewis, who you can be beating for three rounds and Derek Lewis can come back and just beat you. That was brutal. It's a little more, yeah, it's brutal, but it's a little more, um, there's an excuse for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, well, maybe it was because of this. Okay, well, maybe, well, may that makes sense, but let's be honest, guys. I agree with Brian that Olenek's a beast, but the fact that Brown lost to him and lost to him after dropping him controlling him, almost having him beat, and then allowing not just once in the first round, but again, after controlling again, 
regaining control and then completely giving the fight away again in a reversal and scramble in the second round. It's hard to deny that there's something off and the negative detractors, all that stuff justified against Travis well, Brown. It's the heavyweight division, man. Yeah. Look, there there is a lifespan in heavyweight division. That too. I feel like there's some kind of crazy resurrection of some heavyweight guys where they change up their fight style. Like uh, Andre Arlovsky had a really impressive win after being KO'd four times in a row. We saw Alistair Overeem, who tonight even, not to spoil anything, you know, showed that he was able to recover from something like that. So hopefully Travis Brown finds that inner thing that needs to be resurrected inside of a heavyweight, but it's the heavyweight division. What camp is he training now? Is he still... Uh, and that was the thing. That was another reason why I had confidence in him. He kind of went away the last camp from Tarverdian, which made me pick him. And he went with Lundell, who's a great trainer here, wrestling, grappling. He's always kind of did stints with my, my former coach, Neil Melanson, who came up for this camp to help him and even had help from Josh, uh, Barnett, Josh Barnett. So you have from active heavyweight competitors to heavyweight coaches, the creme de la creme on both sides, I can honestly say from personal experience, he had on his side an Olenic, like many Russians, being the Sambo base, which is derivative from catch wrestling and judo. It's a very styling, so you want to have more catch wrestlers than jujitsu guys in your camp totally. if you're going against a guy like Olenek. And then on the striking aspect, he had Ray Seffo <clears throat> once again, which is why you saw Travis going back to the kicks, which has gotten most of his early success, right? When he went to the punches and with Tarverdian, um, whether you want to 50-50 that blame or 90-10 that blame is up to you. The point is, it didn't work out well for Travis, right? Yeah. And we saw him go back to the kicks, which worked out well against Derek until he got caught. When you look at it, it was only one shot that, even though... Changed the whole... Like, it was decent. Yeah, like, it was good. Like, he was fading away and trying to put his hands up, but didn't get it up in time. Like, his reaction time was there. It wasn't the quote-unquote reckless Travis Brown, quote-unquote reckless heavyweight fight that got him caught. Yeah, like better footwork. Travis, yeah, Travis Brown showed improvements back to it. And then now this camp, apparently, you know, even more so with those guys, right? And less with Tarverdian. Only more so. This definitely should be a fight he should win, but he didn't. I'm glad he didn't, but um, you know what? On that beat, we are going to take a break, and we will be right back to break down and finish out International Fight Week recap with the main card, UFC 213, right here in the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Cucarachas enojadas here on the Protect Your Neck Podcast for the UFC International Fight Week Recap After Party Edition. And an after party edition it is because, boy, if you couldn't tell by the first half, which I'm sure you have, we've been drinking. And, man, I was trying to wait until the main event, which, you know, spoiler alert, will have a hero story. You know, you want to talk about a hero who deserves a purple heart, who showed up. Fucking performed against the odds, but goddamn, there's two stories, and I wish I could. Yeah, I wish I could show you the second one because during that break, guys, 
That's right, the co-host of the After Party Edition, Brian Schoonover at BR14. Just share the most epic orgy story. That's right. Oh most God. of y'all, most most of y'all probably fantasize about it. But we, me and Nick Frill here just got, got treated to the most epic oh orgy story. God. That is, you know, again, we all have our nights. We're like, again, we're going to get to it in the main event where like everything goes right. We're just bite the odds. You're like fucking, it's like a movie. It's like your own little, you know, super bad fucking storyline. God damn it, did Brian Schoonover have his. That was a fun story. Hopefully, we'll have a little teaser for the blooper reel. But regardless, let's get to the main card. <laughs> let's get to the main card. I am not at BR14N. Yeah, it was not him. Oh, my God. That was a funny fucking story. Holy you guys missed shit, out, though. Seriously. I'm sorry. I, to, <laughs> I apologize for giving you You share a story that fucking when good, the man. When goes off, you know, sometimes shit happens. Dude, when you share a story that good, it, it's really tough to fucking sit down and do a podcast now, but oh, alright, well, the, the opener, though. So is this just takes to answer the call? As, <laughs> as action-packed as, as BR14's night may have been that we just referenced, this night was better. This night was better, and to start an action-packed main card was an action-packed fight. We had, excuse me, burping, because I've been drinking. We had Rob Fawn took on Douglas, De Silva, DeAndrage, do too many fucking names, who lost, but the point was, Rob Font was actually, you know, our uh, our last final um, for the weekend, and even for the card, we had two parlay pieces for each card, again, the Gaethje Justin, we, uh, the Gaethje Johnson card, both our parlay pieces, and Tisha Torres and Jordan Johnson hit, and this card, Bilal Muhammad, as we talked about early in the card, and the second piece was Rob Font also hit Save My Ass Tonight, which we'll get to later, but those were the favorite plays, all my parlays were based on those. Some may have had a dog thrown in there that didn't hit, but for the most part, it was a good night. And I even throw a little personal little prop play there on Font inside the distance, which cashed as he finished DeAndrage, I believe, in the third round. Yeah. Did you watch this one, Brian? Oh, yeah. This is a slick finish. We watched yeah. it together. Yeah, we were there. Oh, we yeah, that's right. Up. Yeah. I just got here for this one. Usually yeah. I'm in transit for the main card. It's a little confusing when the first fight starts happening. You're kind of all over the place. We're all over the place. Things we are. We're definitely all over the place right now. Cracking open. <laughs> But yes, it was it was it was definitely yeah. It was, like I said, many of the main card, at least on pay per view fights, where I come here for the after party edition. I'm usually in transit, so that first fight I'm a little off on, and the last fight in the prelims I'm a little off and on. The dogs are saying the dogs are going crazy. It's everybody a, yeah. Else. yeah, it's a fucking yeah. Insane. We can rape fest 2020 with those dogs. They're Jesus. so aggressive. Oh my God. All right, but uh, no, Vaughn versus Andrade was good. Essentially, you know, Andrade your typical, you know. Uh, Buff wound out like a rubber, wound up like a rubber band Brazilian who has his triggers, you know, very dangerous triggers you should respect, but nevertheless a little more predictable, a little more typical, a little more wound up, a little more of a plodding striker. And again, I like Font here not just because stylistically he was the faster, longer, and in my opinion more technical striker, but Deandrage kind of dips. His head unprotected, a little low, and Font likes front kicks, which he threw early. He threw smartly to get that in Deandrade's head, but he also throws uppercuts, worked well off of those, um, scored his points. And what also even just kind of fueled me more for the betting point, aside from the techniques, was Font's interviews, which is something I don't normally lean on heavily, but I always try to get as much fight week media as I can when I'm studying these fights. And Font, you know, like I said in the last episode of the Protect Your Neck podcast, he did something I like with Randy Couture. Like, no matter how much the odds were, a guy who shows his mental toughness means a lot with me, right? That's something my personal bias, but it's also something in the sport we've seen prevail, hence Randy Couture being the old man, fucking up guys that are younger than him, calling for the bell, like Gabe Gonzaga. Oh, yeah. Now... 
Font was speaking in a similar way to Randy Couture. You know, Font's only hiccup is John Lineker, who at the time a lot of people had to win, even though he was an underdog. But still, even though he was the underdog and not expected to win, still disappointed a lot of people. But we, as we learned, John Lineker's pretty Just badass, right? Monster, yeah, he's yeah. A, it was on his run. This was That was Rob Font's first fight outside of the U.S. And he fights, again, John Lineker. Not only John Lineker, but UFC 198, big stadium show, huge show. First fight outside of the United States. Yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, you're, we're probably not going to see the normal Rob Font there. And we didn't. But it was how Rob Font recovered, again, like the Randy Couture. Randy Couture, if you know him or not, like I said on the last podcast, won't use the words no. He's very mentally tough. He, you know, no matter like, oh, you're facing Brock Lesnar, guy that's younger, stronger, faster. Uh, essentially, you're going to get fucked up. What's your opinion? Well, that's a good challenge. And he would always use the word challenge because he would never accept defeat. Not once, before, during, or after. Would he lose? Yeah, Randy Couture would lose, sure. He lost throughout his career. But was he ever beaten mentally? No. Yeah. He was usually the guy beating the other guy mentally unless he was caught. And, of course, he was caught by Brock Lesnar. Not the point. He had that mental strength. And Font had that aspect to him, talking in interviews. You know, he's, he compared DeAndre, not just as a tough opponent and a tough challenge, but he said, it's a real similar to Lineker, my only failure. So it gives me more motivation. That fucking, oof. That, that goes, that, that heightens the stock in a fighter for me, guys, as far as betting on that mental edge. Looking at that guy, I'm like, oh, he's accepting that this guy is a big challenge, and and, and he's salivating that's, for it. He's not even scared. Weird. He's salivating for it, you know. And he's he's accepting the negative, but without accepting the negative. And totally. goddamn, it did it pay off here. He looked great. Um, got the finish. Um, Cash in multiple ways for me. Yeah, and it was a good finish. It's good finish. Got, yeah. yeah, that's the right. Choke was almost not there, and then he recovered and made it happen. In a fight that we thought was going to get a finish the other way, it would be the next one. It was Jim Miller and Anthony Pettis. Now. I was wrong here. I had the dog was pretty high on him because I thought this was a stylistic match for Miller. But Jim Miller, Miller could be any man on any day, in my opinion. Absolutely, it's just a matter of timing. Yeah, and unfortunately, he went to go timing for timing with Anthony Pettis, which is bad. The re- uh, not just from his southpaw arsenal and the shots that he throws, which have traditionally troubled Miller. Uh, it was more because of the pressure, which is yeah. traditionally troubled Miller. Uh, traditionally troubled uh, Pettis, I should say. Um, uh, why I picked Miller, as you say, but. We he didn't put see the pressure on early. A little First bit. First two and a half minutes, it was Jim Miller's fight. Yeah, but he he weaned off the pressure too much, unfortunately, yeah, exactly. and that was a thing. The allowed, kicks were working. Yes. He was making everything happen. I remember specifically thinking, like, okay, Pettis's Pettis's confidence is low right now. This is good for Jim Miller. But then that came. That that just changed pretty quickly after that. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And you know, he 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 did those things early. He did them even did them late, if we want to argue it. But the problem was. You're right, man. There was a whole middle gap in there where he didn't do it. And not only did it cost him mathematically in the scorecards where you take a big break in the middle like that, but momentum-wise for the fight, more importantly, it costed him there too Definitely. because it allowed Pettis, who relies on his confidence. When Pettis is confident, he can do fucking anything. Oh, yeah, man. You, you saw know? it. The things he was throwing, the spinning back. Yeah. When's the last time we saw him throw a spinning back? 100%. And I harp on his weaknesses, which are there, which are tangible, which are just, but... When yeah. Pettis is there mentally, Confidence he overcomes his weaknesses. We've seen it. And uh, with Miller not putting the consistent pressure we were talking about, uh, he allowed Pettis to get his game there and uh, beat him. So, you know, hey, man, uh, nothing, nothing, uh, no, no, no saltness about my wrong pick here yeah. by any means. I've always been a Pettis fan. Nothing against Pettis. Yeah, believe I me. Like yeah, his style. That wasn't why I was picking him against her. 
him either 100%. And, and furthermore, just to show that, you know, I know I've had some Miller bias here with the top five walkouts. He's a part of that, granted. But I've picked against Miller before. I picked against him. The last two times I picked against him were the last two times he lost, which shows I have accurate meat on, uh, read on Miller. I picked Poye and Daniel Sanchez even against him. Um, so it's not that the bias is overwhelming here. Otherwise, I would state it if it was. But um, that being said, to prove that the bias wasn't overwhelming, at the end of the day, we got to give credit to Anthony Pettis here. Totally. Beast. He showed a gri- really good, man. Even though Miller didn't fight the fight he should have to won, it doesn't change the fact that Anthony Pettis looked good. Against a tough Jim Miller. Yeah, and showed improvements. And I don't want to say showed improvements because he really showed those improvements and justified his... Whether you think he was overrated or underrated in the ground game department, he justified it in that Charles Oliveira fight. So I don't want to act like this is anything new for Anthony. But yeah, he deserves some credit here. He showed a really good performance. All right. Well, the next fight is uh, Curtis Blaze versus Daniel Omilanchik. Do we even talk about this fight? Because we definitely did not watch. We barely this. watched it. You barely watched. What was going on? What were we doing? Were we, yeah, we were tweeting, pizza, drinking, the dogs. Pellet, yeah, dogs. drinking? Yeah, drinking. Watch this fight. Yeah, no, no I, offense to either <laughs> of the guys because I know they put in a lot of work, but that was one of those moments where it was like, uh, so yeah, how's the weather? Yeah. If you notice, Dan Tom's tweets were a little light that fight. That probably justifies the story we're giving you now, guys. Yeah. But I actually had one of my only props on this fight. One of two props. First one cashed. Oh, my, that's the only point well, I remember now that yeah. you bring it up. He said, oh, hey, I had, prop hit. My prop, because I didn't realize. I realized like halfway later because I gave uh, The first prop was Bilal Muhammad by decision plus 215 wish hit. Thank you very much. But the second prop was the over here, which I thought was a right. really good bet because. That was Blaze, the most entertaining part of the whole fight. Right. Well, Blaze should have won here no matter how the fight went, right? Um, but the line was inflated. He got up to 900 and was only as low as minus six or 700 throughout fight wow. week. It was insane. In other words, it was way out of play. So you needed to have an angle. And a lot of people probably went inside the distance, which probably failed. And the problem was, not only did I wasn't sure in, Blades wouldn't get inside the distance. I'm high on Blades here. But I wasn't sure Blades would win because Blades has had trouble, most notably, with southpaws and slash left-handed counters. So... With one of the most experienced southpaws with a hard knockout power left-handed counter who's scored knockouts of that before, who's also one of the most durable heavyweights who's never been stopped by strikes, well, that creates a lot to think about now, doesn't it? So my safe play, instead of playing minus six to nine hundred as a Curtis Blades or, you know, minus around two hundred or whatever the even the inside of the distance prop was, well, no matter who wins, I think this fight's gonna go over a round and a half for minus one thirty. Right? Like I said, About 20% the most the odds. entertaining so, part of the fight was you saying that it hit. There we go. And that hit. Exactly. Sadly, it hit. Sadly, it was the most entertaining part of the fight. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm proud I'll bump my chest a little bit there, but won't bump my chest about the fight because that wasn't too exciting. Anything else to add on that one, guys? Uh, no. All right. All right. Well, let's let's move to the co-main event, Verdum versus Overeem. I was rooting for Verdum so hard because, as Brian will test you here in one second, me, Verdum has a special spot to me and Brian. I mean, he, well, you want to talk top five underdogs? He was a top underdog, one underdog as far as most money made for a single play for me and Brian here. A guy we re dipped on the lines like three times, like fucking skinny Pete addicted to heroin on Breaking oh, Bad. We gave zero fucks. We were dipping on that shit on the like, regular. Texting back and forth, like, yo, this is the shit. Is this really happening? Oh, he's not training early. Velasquez ain't training early. Fuck yeah. Wait, Verdum's been in Mexico for how long? Oh, he already was there for Hunt? Oh, yes. this is free money. Exactly. Anyways, but we're realistic. As crazy as you might not, even though 
even though we were, we ended up being right on that, you might still think we're crazy because the cane bias seems to be that strong. Um, what you can't disagree on here is that our bias didn't go that strong because, well, at least I ended up uh, siding with Overeem, which I only put him in one thing because this was a fight to stay away, to be honest. And, it, and I just played Overeem in one parlay with shit, which is fine. But uh, I was this was a fight I was hoping I was wrong on, Brian. Where was your Verdum, pick on this Verdum one? needed to just not take him down. He had him wobble yeah. against the cage where he's been finished before. When Overeem is, like, rocked, he... He does a very similar thing every time he's hurt. He just kind of sits there. And he gets hit, and he doesn't, he doesn't react like a lot of fighters do, where they'll stumble or fall. He just kind of gets stunned, and he stands there. But he's able to absorb plenty of punches before he actually drops. You saw that. You saw him freeze, stand there, and just look at him like, what the fuck just happened? And then he gets caught again. But he let him recover on the ground, and then did nothing on the ground thought he was going to coast to a decision and it cost him it cost him not only a fight that would have got him another title shot it cost him a trilogy trilogy against alistair Overeem. now alistair has two in a row against him so it's brutal to watch someone's got a two-point round because the one ref or one of the judges scored a 28 oh yeah it was a draw yeah score yeah you're right and that's a point because the guys i mean i, uh, I was probably the only one looking on twitter of all of us so i will say to, to represent the twitter um, part of the argument, there was a lot of dissension here. There was a lot of people that had it as a draw. I even saw some Verdum cards, and I think Brian, you know, kind of touched on that a little bit there, explaining why, like, hey, maybe it could have been a close round in the first, and then Verdum, you know, even though winning the third didn't necessarily mean he wanted to fight because he had that opportunity to do much more, even oh, on the man. ground, and even after the mistake. Got the striking yeah. to finish over him. He knocked him out clean with the knee. He was able to recover. That was the only problem. And even if, you know. Maybe not clean, but he, he, he rocked him clean. And even if you consider the uh, <clears throat> taking him down a mistake, he still had opportunity to work on the ground. Yeah, totally. To still earn His that ground and pound is brutal, too. And when was the last time Alistair was knocked down due to ground and pound? Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Wow. But, you know, unfortunately, because, um, again, I'm a Verdum fan. Again, Verdum still has the best theme or best entrance Yes, bring that up, please. Yes, yes. Because we had the top five walkouts, by the way, in the particular podcast. And I mentioned Brian for the Tim Kennedy one, which I know he appreciated. But an honorable mention was the Verdum last Mohicans. Brian, I know you have a strong opinion on oh, that walkout. Man, that, that is the best song ever. <clears throat> and especially to watch it. I just remember that we had put all that money on Verdum and we were watching the fights. And, I mean, I was probably well intoxicated. And I just remember hearing that song in the background, and it just clicked. I was like, this is going to happen. There's no way he's not going to win now. That's just been a song that's been in my life for years, man. My first camping trip to Yosemite, someone put that on. It was like nighttime, and they told me there were bears around. I mean, I must have been like six years old. But they were, they were telling me there's grizzly bears everywhere, and they're playing this song at night while we're driving through. But there's something about that that just like always haunts me. It's like such an epic song. But, yeah, I've been listening to it throughout all of my life, and then that happened, and it had been so long since I heard right, it. Right, right. Just one of those things. Just It was a primal instinct thing, and I just saw Verdum, you know. That's cool. Uh, good times. Oh. Oh. As Dan Tom drops his phone. We should do prop bets on whether or not Verdum's going to start around with the flying kid. Yeah, we had yeah, funny, because <laughs> I was thinking about that. <clears throat> I mean, it's been discussed on Reddit and stuff like that, but, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's something he did to him and to other fighters and it's funny because he did it in the first round and then we were like oh wow is he going to do it yeah, we were going to is he going to do it for the uh, for every round after that yeah it's pretty cool to see yeah that was a nice homage there he tried all rounds and got and you know it, he tried everything <laughs> to win it but you know I have to watch it again maybe but I don't think it was a robbery definitely a close fight I'll have to watch it again but 
Yeah, I don't think it was a robbery there. But we move on to the main event, guys. Yoel Romero versus Robert Whitaker. As much as we want to be down again on the whole, I'm not trying to get a sidetrack, believe me. On the whole, Sivchenko, uh, Nunez pull out. This was honestly one of the best this fights the of the whole year, right, guys? Not just the card. Now, and I'm a Sivchenko fan. I defended yeah. to the death. I was excited for him the most, but this was one of the best fights of the year, let's be yeah, honest. Back to back fights of the year, though, night to night. Yeah. You know? Last night with the Gagey Johnson fight, and then tonight with this fight. Yeah, Holy cool. shit. Right? And it was tough, man, because I love, if y'all know, I love both these guys. I've picked both these guys. I've championed both these guys as the underdogs, especially as the underdogs. So it was really tough to pick. This was not an either or, hence why it was on my fights to avoid, although I did. The only bet I did play didn't happen, come to fruition on this fight, which is, I was like, you know what? The safest bet on this fight, guys. Doesn't go to the distance. <laughs> sure yeah, enough, it, it did, distance. but it probably did because, and again, I'm going to give you guys a chance um, both here um, to weigh in on it. But man, Bobby Knuckles, Robert the Reaper Whitaker beats him and beats him on one leg. I mean, we're going to, we'll talk about it here in a second. I retweeted on my timeline through at uh, M. Uh, Wells Art, Mr. Wells Art there. It's on my timeline there at the MM Analyst. You'll see. Him retweet that. Uh, as far as Whitaker and the open workout earlier this week, guys, falter on his ankle, and I played that for both of you. Now, first round, he gets his ankle hurt, and we've seen that, right? From Tala's latest to Sam Alvey to other fights tonight and Michael this Chandler. weekend, Michael Chandler. Yeah, I mean, it just takes one good leg kick, especially, you know, low leg kick or any kind of leg kick to kind of debase and compromise the whole fight. And whether or not it was because he had a pre existing injury, which Robert Whitaker said he got it in camp. There was footage of it in the open workout. And then, of course, he gets hurt in the first round. Um, that's about three sample sizes, hard sample sizes, by the way, yeah. that he was compromised against a guy, by the way, who is tough motherfucker, who makes no excuses. So he comes to this fight, drops the first two rounds to Romero, according to, I believe, all three judges and made decisions. Everybody I saw on Twitter... And wins the last three with one, one leg. fucking After leg. Getting his leg hyperextended. You want to talk about getting woken out of your bed for an orgy? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, beating your marrow on one leg. <laughs> Jesus, uh, Brian. What's your opinion on that? No, Brian. What's your opinion on this fight? We we had Whitaker coming into this fight, uh, and I'd say he woke up and showed up. That's for sure. This guy, he put on a show, man. And like we said, you, I mean, you were screaming, one leg! For like a whole round. I was. I was like, one fucking leg! Yeah, the dogs dogs were freaking out. It was a good time. But it's true. I mean, really, he showed a lot of heart. And he showed that he really is a champion. It's funny to see Michael Bisping come in there and try to talk shit. Michael Bisping is scared. He left the belt right where he needed to be. I am a Michael Bisbing fan, but this guy is Michael Bisbing's worst nightmare. Michael Bisbing says he's a striker. He's going to get destroyed. The fight I want to see next is going to be Luke Rockhold versus Robert Whitaker. That would be cool. Good old Bobby Knuckles. I think I, I like Robert Whitaker in that fight, especially considering the left hook um, was what put him out. And that's, you know, he's got the best left hook in the division. But it just one of the, was one of those things where it was like, I was actually blown away that Whitaker was underdog here, guys. Going into it, uh, which which you know, I, I agree with the odds makers because the odds makers were with me. They opened Romero as a slight favorite. I played Whitaker as a dog there, but he got quickly flipped to 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 positive money and stayed there until the fights closed. 
Now, I know Romero has a record of closing as an underdog for about his last five fights, not including this. Nevertheless, like, even as somebody who picked Whitaker, uh, from what I would like to say was an educated decision for what's that worth, it means honestly two shits in fights like this for what it's worth people, even though I got it right. It honestly means two shits. But I picked Whitaker, but even I said it was like, whoa, dude, how is Romero not the favorite here? He has yeah. more ways to win on the feet. It's crazy because he hasn't the ground. been in the last six fights. He hasn't been the favorite in the yeah. last six fights. Well, I think it was something like Brian said. Like It was like one of those things where it was like, I, for example, I, I was on Whitaker for a minute, but then people didn't see it. Like, well, you're crazy for going against him against Jacques Ray. But like Brian said, um, kind of off mic here uh, earlier prior, was that like, it was, I think, it was, you know, you say, I believe Brian, I don't take words out of your mouth, but you said, I think it was one of those things where. People were caught off guard, obviously, and it's one of those things where we all naturally, as human beings, we overcorrect the steering wheel. Totally. Whether we agree, disagree, or understand why we're doing it, no we do it because we're like, oh, we're wrong. I need to overcorrect the steering wheel here. I think a lot of it was that, why totally. he was the that favorite. That was my last big win was when he beat Susan. I mean, 100%. And even we were skeptical, and we're big fans of him. Money on him, yeah. Once Good time. Yeah, See, that's the thing is, uh, is is that I saw that with the Diver- Tavares fight. That was so impressive to me to yeah. just watch him. I mean, brutalize him in that in that way. And you might want to think Tavares something was going on with Tavares at that time. Not at all. In hindsight, still looks so good. Yeah, look where both those guys, both those guys that did well, just show that oh Tavares just got hit by Tim Bosch, which anybody can, obviously. Absolutely. And then he got caught by oh the interim, soon to be longtime champion of the division, in my opinion, Robert Whitaker. Absolutely. Yeah, Robert. Uh, uh, you know Tavares ain't that bad, and he's won all his fights since. So. Absolutely, man. That's yeah, what I mean. Hundred percent. I'm going into that. I knew Tavares was a monster. I just didn't see that being the outcome, and that was when I was like, okay, this dude is legit. But I take him in the Bisbing fight, and Bisbing can talk all the shit he wants and hype this up, and I love it. Just so Robert Whitaker gets the highlight. I take him in both. Kicks with his hurt, like yes, yeah. It's like Michael Chandler, man, putting weight on it and hurting. The dude's charging him. He can't even stand on his own foot, and he's throwing kicks with it. He's like, "Fuck it, I can't even feel it." So just toss it. One like a guy should have been a guy should have been all rights according to odds, according to everybody. Should have been the underdog. Robert Whitaker beats you all, Romero. Does on it on one, one leg, leg, and he it's not like he won the first round and at least had one round on a good leg. No, he had no rounds. He lost the first two, with one with a good leg for most of it, for the most part. The, the, the other with a bad leg lost it, and then still comes back, guys. The still. best part is when he said, my leg is trashed after yeah. the first round. After, yes. And everyone's sitting there waiting for it to just Most fighters mentally off. crumble. Just yeah. watch the guy drop off now. I mean, yeah, how many times have there it. been like a... Oh, we think there's something wrong with his hand. Let's listen to his corner. He's like, my hand's broken. And then the fight is oh. completely different. Well, excuse me. Romero stopped throwing leg kicks after that. Yeah, yeah. which is weird, Romero too. Romero was tired, man. Romero, yeah. that was the thing. Is Romero you saw, was tired? You called a little earlier than normal. I mean, people were always calling Romero uh-huh. to be tired in the third round. But I think Dan is right when he always calls that. It's kind of a last-ditch last effort thing. Like, I've timed you. I'm going to save all my energy for this one explosive moment. Yep. So I, I get how people say he's he gets tired, but in this fight he became way or it happened way earlier, and you attributed that to you know you were saying it's not even a crazy fight for him. He's no. been dominating. He's been yeah. doing anything. He had a one legged guy. Fight. He was dominating. It's been his fight. All the wrestling was on his accord. Exactly. Romero didn't. For, by the way, it uh, could have been the failed attempts because he was like well, four. Yeah, it was a failed attempts, but that was the thing. It was a. It was Romero's weird because he doesn't wrestle like he should. So people counting on wrestling. Four for yeah. eighteen. Yeah. Is the official stat. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Romero doesn't usually go for wrestling. The only time he's gone for wrestling, guys, 
is against Brad Tavares, but that was arguably because he came off a fight with Derek Brunson, a hard fight that a lot of people had him losing, where he got rocked and almost knocked out before he knocked Derek Brunson out. So you imagine, again, talking about the overcorrecting the steering wheel, we all do it naturally, right? We (laughs) we overdo it one way, we have to overcorrect the other, and that could have been his version of it, playing it safe, and or Brad Tavares, again, underrated heavy fucking hitter. He felt the power slash watch footage and knew, I don't want to strike with this guy. So Romero went to the takedown heavy game, which proved to me going into this fight that he's not beyond the takedown heavy game. I I didn't think he was beyond it. The problem was if he fails to have control, which he did against Robert Whitaker, here's Robert Whitaker again, something I've always harped on, hand fighting, two-on-one, cross grips, circling out. He did all of those and made him get his output. So like Brian and Nick are saying, four of 18 of the takedown attempts, he still ended up getting more tired and lost the decision despite throwing 20 more total strikes. But even though Romero threw, as we're looking at guys here, 20, exactly 20 more total strikes, he landed 26 or 27 here. According to the UFC's official says, 27 less significant strikes. So he threw 20 more total to the T and landed significantly 27 less. less. So, I mean, the efficiency was on Whitaker's side. The judges clearly saw that through the rounds. He took rounds three, four, and five. And again, kind of like my similar dynamic here, which people were picking up, the reason why I bet builders versus exploders, right, is because of this reason, builders versus opportunists. And again, part of it could be because of the bias like we talked about earlier here where we were getting a little bit emotional talking about Nunes and Jones. People have things come easy to them and inherently maybe have different values and don't do the right prep. But anyways, neither here nor there. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. It's getting there. It's getting there. It's Michael Bay. It's getting there. Dan just starts dropping bombs. But 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 regardless, there is a point to it here because it's true, right? If we're playing in the patent, forget my opinion. If we're playing this mathematically, guys, if we're looking at numbers here, anybody, any fight, before we even get into specifics, landing a knockout shot, even if we're looking at fights where it's a guys who are favorited to win, win most of their fights by knockouts, and are facing a guy who has a bad chin, We've seen the knockout is still not guaranteed. In fact, if we stop and do the numbers, the knockout actually doesn't happen majority of the time. Even in those slanted, heavily slanted matches, which don't always happen. So that's why I always bet against it. And I'll take it like a man like any other fucking pick I get wrong. That's fine. That's no problem. But that's also the reason why I also... Get, yes. But that's also the reason why I get a little take it a little personally. When people are like, the knockout guy got the knockout, you stupid fuck. Where I'm like... <laughs> where I just do a... You motherfucker. You motherfucker. And then it's, you the, same, stupid it's, it's, the, same, it's the same people who bank their betting career off of betting yeah. guys like John Jones or whatever. Where, I'm the mother. I bet. Like, oh, you bet the fucking front runner? No. Congratulations, you motherfucker. Like, like I'm sorry. Bet. I don't give respect to that. It's, it's true. I'll, I'll take credit when I'm wrong, but I have right to my own opinion, and I don't. That's why I don't respect that that much. Who's the stupid fuck? The guy who's putting in the hard work or the guy who's taking a guy's opinion he's never met? And betting his life on it. To That's where true. That Thank you, man. Matters to call the guy an asshole. Thank you, man. That that is a true opinion. But but uh, well, but again, and I'm not trying to break this on me. What we're talking about here, though, is builders versus opportunists. <laughs> and aside from those anecdotals, which may be just that we're talking about, besides from those anecdotals, there is something to that when you talk about builders versus opportunists versus exploders. Again. Can can you be wrong backing the builder? Of course, believe me, y'all. I mean, even though I can proudly state 
per card, my average is still a winning record. And overall, my average is still a winning record. Two years strong, motherfuckers. I will admit when I get a pick wrong. And I will admit when I get those pick wrongs. But that is the logic of why I'm so big against builders overall. Hence why I pick random big upsets like Barbarina over Alves. Or big fights like Holloway over Aldo. And I'll stand by that. That was a good one. Thank you, sir. Anyway, sorry, I'm not trying to pat my own back here, trying to take the piss out of myself where I can. That was a good fucking Speaking fight, though, guys. It honestly doesn't matter who won, because that was a good fucking fight. Again, I was ready to lose the Whitaker. It wasn't. I'm not bumping my chest here oh, by this we pick. We said it before. We both love. We both love all these, yes. these guys fighting. This is a perfect matchup. This is the real championship fight here. This was the people's main event, and it and it turned out to be. It was a fucking great fight. It was an amazing fight. Like. I was jokingly, and even, you know, I was like, okay, well, we had a really bad card that got saved um, by the main event last night, which was Gaethje versus Johnson, but that was an incredible main event. I wasn't expecting, and not saying that this was as good as Gaethje versus Johnson, because in all honesty, I think Gaethje versus Johnson was better, but that's not the point. What I'm saying here, the point is, I wasn't quite counting on that, guys. I was like, we were graced with MMA gold. Well, yeah, that and I was oh, that yeah. too. But well, I was go watch his highlight. Yeah, videos, man, you'll have a good time. Well, it's how it sounds, right? Right. But then the dude is a monster. But well, I his knew fight style is something. Just that could... five freaking guys. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, I, I knew who you. I knew who he was, and I didn't even pick against him. But the point was, we were not granted fights like that often in MMA guys that was a fucking treat so I was not expecting anything tonight and then when we lost our main event I was I'll be honest man as optimistic as I like to be I was down in the dumps y'all could even see like maybe it was because of that really disturbing knockout by bot by bad back Nivik there that got knocked out there. But but aside from that, like after that knockout, like you saw the commentators like propose like Rogan has been there all the time to Anik and Stan. They were fucking bummed out when they were doing which I like by the way. I like when they have time on the Fight Pass broadcast and they throw to them to do like their own mini like Joe Rogan podcast where they break down the upcoming fights and try to pump you up. Like, I dig that segment. But you could tell they were all fucking bummed out there. But man, did again rounding out to the point I originally started with here, man. Not better than maybe the tough finale fight between Johnson and Vergeshi, but to say that Romero and Whitaker did not save the card, I think is, you know, uh, it's hard to say that because it was I a great it, fight. I think it's, like we said, it was the fight that was going to make the card. Anyway. Yeah. I think the reason why I think this fight takes it Whitaker winning this fight on a hurt Yes, leg. 100%. 100%. A hurt leg. Not three even just rounds, a hurt leg. Rounds, you watched it. Yeah. took three rounds straight from, yeah. from, from, from he, he took that one from Romero. Yeah, true. My so goodness, was that was amazing. The performance of a lifetime against an Olympic wrestler on yeah. one leg. And he, he was uh, stuffing takedowns on that leg, man. Taking like, kicks on that leg. Hey, he stuffed Throwing like 14 kicks, takedowns. Putting all his weight on that leg. Like yeah, I guess a, a, a silver medalist <laughs> In wrestling. Yeah, in the Olympics. I'm telling you. Impressive. Yeah. Impressive. That's what I think gets him over Gaethje. Although, I'll give it to Gaethje. He, he came in a nobody and just walked out a ranked, a ranked contender. Yeah. 100%. See, you know who I want to see Gaethje fight? I, I want them, them to offer Nate Diaz that guy. Ah. 100%, guys, but listen to this. I'm looking for a man who calls himself Butcher. Well, never mind. I thought I had something. We, I thought I had some more submissions in transition, but maybe everybody's been drinking as much as us tonight. So uh, I just had some, you know, not official, you know, hashtag protecting a podcast, by the way, if you want to officially contribute to the podcast. But I uh, had some replies as far as pretty much everybody's on board with us as far as Whitaker beating Romero on one leg. Yeah. The fucking man. Um, Beast. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Ma- amazing stuff. Again, 
more amazing than getting out of bed from a random text message for an orgy. But not by much. Not by much. This was a great night. Do you guys have anything you want to add to tonight before we get out of here? Yeah, we probably should. Go fuck yourself podcast. <laughs> I just want to know if uh, we woke up Michael Johnson's sister. Oh, <laughs> oh shit! Faint, right? She oh, faints? Man. Yeah, dude, you saw that? I love how Michael Johnson, or his, his sister, got KO'd harder than he did in that fight. She straight up fainted. You haven't seen that clip? I saw the clip, but I didn't know it was his sister, dude. That that gave me flashbacks well, to Meryl. Well, look, so that's just Reddit, like, right. detectives. I don't know for sure. But the, the, it reminded me of me and you watching Tyrone Woodley versus Marquardt versus Strikeforce, right? Like... That, like, if that was his sister, that's, like, the equivalent to the fucking Woodley's family for the Marquardt fight. Like, when they do this special where Mara Winala's like, this is Simon Woodley's family. We'll be here either on the broadcast. And they show him just going, no. That was brutal, by the way. I, I was a horrible mom for, for the Woodley family to have broadcasted. But that's what it reminded me of when you told me that there's, that a, there's a gif going around right now Brian's talking about, by the way, where Michael Johnson gets the knockout. And there is a um, well, he gets knocked out. There is a uh, a lady um, full of uh, uh, just excitement in the background. Let's just say, and she disappears and drops into <laughs> right behind, yeah, out of the picture, and she, she drops. drops further than Michael Johnson falls. Off. It was like one of those trap doors He's in the like, old. Oh, I'm gonna sit down. This sucks. And she's like, Oh no. It looks like one of those trap doors in the but old cartoons, too, guys. Though. That's the best part. Yeah, yeah. And like she just so falls straight down. It's bad. It. It's bad. Nate Diaz would be a good fight versus uh, Justin Gaethje. My God. But I have a feeling they're gonna do uh, Justin Gaethje versus Edson Barbosa, guys. I don't know. It's a really good fight. That's actually a really good fight. I mean, Nate Diaz would be awesome, but I doubt they would give Justin Gaethje the jump with knowing how marketable he is. Much less paying Nate Diaz, if Nate Diaz is even open for that fight. Yeah. Slash open to whatever money they're going to offer him that fight because even though they're going to know they have to come correct with Nate Diaz, how much can you really justify for a guy who is technically as great as the fight was, as great as a fighter he is, which I agree in both, a guy that's not only had one UFC fight, right? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, logistically, it's hard to imagine business-wise, which I hate to say that because I'm against that shit. Yeah. I want to see it regardless, obviously. Well, who's done that to Michael Johnson? Yeah, it's amazing. That's the difference. Yeah, he's never been stopped by strikes, people. He's never been stopped by strikes. That's what I'm saying. Who's done that to Michael Johnson? Isn't that funny? We're talking about UFC 13. We should be at end, but we still end up ending on the tough 25. Guys, we still end up ending... the shit out of him, dude. And he didn't even finish him the strikes. True, but guys, we're supposed to be talking about UFC 213, and how good is the tough 25 finale? Because we're ending this podcast... Talking about, talking about the tough 25 yeah. fucking finale. That's how After good of a Robert fight that Whitaker was. Just yeah, beat on, the one shit out of him on one leg. Yeah. Well, didn't beat the shit out of him, but beat him. So, as much stuff that went wrong this week, guys, as much as we complained, as much as we did complain about, let's be honest, guys, it was a pretty positive weekend. There we go. Hey, it was definitely, it turned out, it turned out to be pretty good. It was definitely better than UFC 200. You yes, sir. Come at a bit of time to be so freaking hot here. Yeah, and I'm going to fucking Costa yeah. Rica. Joe Suzuki. Joe Suzuki. We tried to fucking FaceTime him for the uh, Verdum uh, Overeem fight. Was Joe, was Joe ejaculating during the Overeem one? Over uh, under on that. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> He's always been on the Overeem. That, that I love you, why, Joe. Yeah, that's why the Bigfoot Silva KO of Overeem was so much more gratifying because you get to watch your best friend just fucking hate his life. I don't yep. know, it's one of those things, you know, like, you're, like, always competitive with your friends, and he's just been talking over him up for fucking years, and you just don't understand why, and then you watch him just get, oh my god, and then you just watch Bigfoot Silva scream, 
Only, only body. deeper boha is yeah. a cyborg. Oh my god! The female cyborg is yeah. the only deeper boha. That's fucking Bigfoot. amazing. It's great. It, it is like probably <laughs> top five favorite MMA moments for me. That, we we, we I went was crazy. Screaming. I, I feel like because it was like, oh, you see that fuck over here. I feel like I, I jumped. I jumped. I like over yeah, it was just like I said. And I think I jumped as high as Brian with that fight, Pop. You know that fight and Dan Henderson knocking out Bisping at 200, where I dropped my Heineken oh and steak my in my hand. As American as that gets, minus the Heineken, that's Dutch, I know. But the, <laughs> the point of beer and steak being American, I dropped that shit because it was just such an a moment, you know, oh, yeah, for totally. anybody like that was a Dan Henderson or American oh fan. God, like, yeah. oh yeah, the greatest knockout. And by the way, I love Michael Bisping. He's much gained respect since then. So let's not hate on Michael oh, Bisping, yeah. but that was definitely a moment. Nice right. WWE promo by Michael Bisping tonight too. That's right. All right, guys. Well, it, it, it's a lax night. Everybody's probably too drunk, so I'll forgive you. But if you want to... They should forgive us, man. We they were should talking forgive about us. That's true. cream pies and fucking... If you guys want... Oh, my God. We were talking about... If you want to um, direct our conversation from orgies, uh, anal porn that Johnny Hendricks looks at, anything of the top of the year, whatever we've discussed, you can use hashtag Protect Your Neck Podcast Follow us at the PYN Podcast on Twitter, by the way, at the PYN Podcast to make it easy. Also, the handle on Instagram and Facebook. Follow us there. We won't spam you. It helps. But yes, more importantly, whether you're a Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter user, you can use at the PYN Podcast to get at us, change, or add what you want as far as future top five themes, what you think in the episode, things you want uh, us to talk about, things you don't want us to talk about, which probably will have its own list after tonight's episode. Either way, it's appreciated. More importantly, aside from the DraftKings on it, if you like that, or more importantly, Amazon click-throughs, which won't cost you anything to support our show, and I will give you special shout-outs if you do so. The best way to support this show is just tell a friend, hey, some uh, good pics and degenerate uh, butt talk and other things going on on the Protecting Podcast. You should listen and maybe give a five-star review without the butt talk. And that will help us immensely. So any of those ways... Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Watch out for the Uberim. Don't drink too much. Always answer those booty calls at midnight. And never forget to protect your neck. Well, you're not wrong there, Brian. I mean, seriously, uh, a lot of people were kind of iffy on the Mina Muhammad fight. <laughs> like... <laughs>